the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome, folks, uh, once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather like this every weekend right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, Alan Dempsey always stands by to do our engineering. And Andrew Herdliska produces the show. Elizabeth Lang Thompson, she's with us from Wilmington, North Carolina. We're going to talk about her book with Shiloh Run Press. It says, When God Says Go, Rising to Challenge and Change Without Losing Your Confidence. Uh, Elizabeth, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining me. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. When God says go, uh, tell me what the subliminal message is here. What's that mean? (laughs) Well, you know, when God says go, I think most of us, our, or at least for me, my first response is, are you sure? Are you kidding? Did you mean me? You know, I respond with a lot of fear and excuses and insecurity. And so this book is really talking about how can we answer that call and grapple with our own fears, our insecurities, or even shame and regret from our past that threaten to hold us back. Well, we've got some interesting biblical personalities here, Elizabeth. Let's start. When God's call scares you to death, Moses' story. Fill us in. Okay, I absolutely love the call of Moses from the burning bush, uh, because it's such a real story. You know, God calls Moses. Moses has been happily living as a shepherd for 40 years. He sees this burning bush, and Moses' response is so similar to ours. He's, he throws all these excuses to God. He says, I'm not a good speaker. Um, I, I, I'm not, you know, he just lists all of his inadequacies, and God comes back and says, but I am with you. You know, God's answer is not, oh, but Moses, I called you because you're so great and you're so talented and you were raised by Pharaoh and have all of this education. No, God's saying, hey, I'm going to be with you. And even after that, Moses says, oh, please send someone else, which I have so been there. And it's so comforting to me that Moses offered you know, this to God and sort of got God irritated with him. And yet God used him anyway. I mean, powerfully so. Such an encouraging story for us. Uh, Let's move to the second story. When it's not about you, uh, Jeremiah's story. Well, Jeremiah, I love, he's got a different kind of excuse for God. He, He says, when God calls him and says, hey, I want you to be my prophet, Jeremiah is a really young man. Most people think he was probably a teenager. Mm. And um, he says, ah, Lord, I am too young. And isn't that the way we can be with God? We, we sort of fill in the blank for ourselves. We say, well, Lord, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too poor, or I'm too broken, I'm too 
sinful, and we have all these reasons why God shouldn't choose us and why he can't use us. And yet again to Jeremiah, God says, I will be with you, and I will teach you what to say, and I'll go with you, and I'll put my spirit in you. And that, again, is that message for us, that we've got to take that, but Lord, I, and turn it into, but God can. Now, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Lang Thompson is our guest. Uh, when your past is against you, Mary Magdalene's story. Mary Magdalene. Such a beautiful story. We don't get a lot of information about her in Scripture. We know that really all we know about her life before Jesus was that she was haunted by seven demons. And and that paints a really powerful picture of a, a life that would have been messy and broken and lonely. Um, but what we see with Mary Magdalene is that after she encountered Jesus, after she was healed, her life became all Jesus, and then she was able to be the very first witness of the resurrection. And, you know, this is just me speculating, because I don't know, but I think that Jesus gave that moment to Mary Magdalene as a gift, because he wanted her to know, you may be broken, you may have had or have been broken, you may have come from such a messy place, and yes, I'm going back to be with God, and I won't be walking around with you anymore, but you know what? You are useful to me, and I love you, and I'm going to meet you in this mess, and I'm going to love you the way that you need to be loved. Her story is such a beautiful picture of grace. Uh, the fourth topic, uh, Elizabeth, I want you to talk about, uh, when it's time to go all in, Peter's story, and this is just part one, right? Right. We address him twice in the in this book. Um, so Peter, I... I who doesn't love Peter? He's such a, you know, he, he, he says exactly what he's thinking at any given time. So any of us who have ever stuck our foot in our mouth, we can draw comfort from, you know, these moments that Peter has where he sort of says the wrong thing. Now, sometimes he says the really right thing, and we see his courage and how Jesus uses him. Um, but the first story we explore in the book is this moment when Peter walks on water. And um, what what a powerful moment. I think sometimes we focus so much on the fact that Peter sank that we forget, hey, but he walked on water. I don't know how many steps he took, but this guy had courage. He had guts, and he was willing to go all in. You know, you can't walk on water um, still hanging on to the boat. you got to go all the way over the edge, and I know for me that's the hard part. I'd like to walk on water, you know, sort of holding on to the bow or holding on to the side. <laughs> You know, but Peter jumped all the way in and, and let Jesus take care of him. Now, Elizabeth, let's get to uh, the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. When God changes your plans, and uh, this is part one you're going to tell us about. Yes. So the first moment that we explore in Mary's life is this moment uh, when the angel appears to her and says, hey, guess what? Your whole life is about to turn upside down. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. And she's a young woman with her life looking really good. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm engaged to be married to Joseph. I'm this um, upstanding citizen in my town. I'm doing things the way I'm supposed to be. And then suddenly she's got this unplanned pregnancy, and who knows what kind of ostracism or criticism she may have faced. We know that Joseph 
nearly divorced her until an angel appeared to him and said, hey, this is from God. It's okay to marry her. Um, But she accepts this responsibility and this dramatic life change with such faith and such grace for such a young woman. And it's such an inspiration to me to think, okay, how do I respond when God shows up and says, hey, guess what? Your life is changing. (laughs) Mm. Do I trust that he's going to see me through or do I panic and try to turn to my own devices to take care of myself? Now, let's talk about when you can't stay the same. Mm. And this is Esther's story, Elizabeth. Yes. Esther, what a story. And I confess, I had never connected with Esther on, you know, just as a, there are some Bible characters you deeply, you you connect with and you say, that's my person, that's my girl, I get her story. And I never had connected with her in the way I did while writing this book, because Esther was taken from her home um, into the palace to um be considered as, as a candidate for becoming the queen. She rises to prominence. She becomes the queen all the while, keeping her heritage, her Jewish heritage, a secret. And she's sort of hiding in plain sight. And then this time comes when she has to stand up and save her people. And she cannot stay the same. She can't hide anymore. She can't stay safe anymore. She can't hide behind the men in her life who have kept her safe. Um, she's got to stand on her own and stand up for her people. And we can only imagine the fear that she faced in going through that. And, you know, I think there are times in all our lives when God sort of puts us in a situation where we cannot stay who we used to be. We have to become braver. We have to become stronger in order to face the challenge ahead. My guest from Wilmington, North Carolina, Elizabeth Lang Thompson, um, you can reach her, by the way, lizzylife.com, L-I-Z-Z-Y, then a capital L-I-F-E dot com. Uh, we're talking about her book, When God Says Go. When we come back, uh, Elizabeth is going to talk to us about uh, When You Used to Be Brave, the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's part two. And then we're going to learn about Samuel and Jonathan and Legion's story, and Abigail's story. Lots of good good stuff ahead here, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. That's 800-518-4020. 
Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org, 5.30 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Addiction has reached epic proportions in the U.S. Join Anthony Ancompura of Banyan Treatment Center as he shares strategies for breaking the grips of addiction through the transforming power of God's Word on his new show, Faith in Recovery. If you're mad at God, if you have anger against God and, and, and resentments against Him, cry out to Him. Where are you, God? Where are you? I don't feel you. Where's your presence? Don't miss Anthony Ancompura, Faith in Recovery, Saturday and Sunday, 1.30 p.m., only on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Elizabeth Lang Thompson is with us from Wilmington, North Carolina. We're talking about her book uh, with Barber Books, uh, When God Says Go. And as I mentioned, Elizabeth, uh, the next topic, When You Used to Be Brave, The Story of Mary, the Mother of Jesus, this is part two. Go ahead. Yes, so we've already seen Mary as a young woman whose life gets turned topsy-turvy by an angel, saying, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Um, She accepts this life change with so much courage, so much bravery. And then we fast forward 30 years to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and we find a bit of a different Mary. And um, there's this moment where Mary and, and her other sons they go to take charge of Jesus, where they say, he's out of his mind. We need to take him home with them, with us. And it seems that they don't understand what Jesus' mission and purpose on earth really is. They, you know, as a mother, you understand this. You see your son putting himself in the crosshairs of the Pharisees and and at the center of so much dangerous controversy, and you think, I've got to set him straight. There are safer wiser ways of serving God than putting your life at risk. You know, any mother would feel that way. And so she has this moment where she doesn't understand. And and Jesus sort of sets things straight, and I'm sure it's a painful moment for Mary. But then we see her still in the company of her son. We see her there at the foot of the cross, and it's clear that she grows from this, that she finds courage once again. And isn't that the way life goes, that sometimes... We have to find courage later in life that we never thought we would need. Elizabeth, I want you to tell us about when God's call is unclear, and this is Samuel's story. I love the call of Samuel the prophet. He's a young boy. Many people think he was about the age of 12. He's been serving in the temple um, with Eli, and he hears the voice of God for the first time, uh, saying, Samuel, Samuel. And at first he thinks it's his, his mentor, Eli, calling him. And he runs in and he says, Eli, Eli, here I am. You called me. And, and it takes a few tries before Eli realizes, oh, no, honey, you're hearing the voice of God. <laughs> That's God calling you. And you need to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And we use this story in the book as a springboard for talking about how do we know when God is calling us? Because sometimes we're not sure which direction are we supposed to go? What step do we take next? 
Do we need to take a new job? Do we need to move to a new city? Do we need to stay right where we are? What is God's will um, and desire for the next part of our life? So Samuel's story serves as a helpful springboard for a, um, a discussion into those concepts. Elizabeth, I want you to talk about when your call isn't glamorous. And this is Jonathan's story. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, and he's raised a prince, groomed to lead. He should be the next king. But Samuel, who we just discussed, is now an older man and the prophet leading. Samuel, through God's will, has anointed David, this shepherd boy, to be the next king in Jonathan's place. And Jonathan accepts this change with such grace and such humility, and he steps aside so that David can lead and so that David can shine. And he says, you know, he vows friendship to David. He raises David's arms up and supports him. And, you know, sometimes we think when God calls us that it's going to be some big public thing. We're going to, everybody's going to applaud. We're going to look great. But sometimes God's call is quiet. It's behind the scenes. It's supporting someone else while they shine. And even when God's call is not glamorous, we can still honor him and still please him by by rising to it. Now, this is a little different one. I'm eager to hear you talk about when God says, stay, legion story. Fill us in on that, Elizabeth. Okay, so legion is a demoniac who um, this poor man is is indwelled by so many demons, he's lost his own name, and he, he lives among tombs, cutting himself, no chains can hold him. This poor man is just haunted. And Jesus, we know the story of Jesus driving these demons out, they go into a, uh, a herd of pigs, and Legion, we find him dressed in, in his right mind, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, he's learning, he's growing, he's coming to faith, and when Jesus leaves Legion's town, Legion says, let me go with you, and you see that he wants to make his life there in the company of Jesus and his men, and it's fascinating because Jesus says, go home, go back to your people and tell them what has been done for you, and you know, sometimes God doesn't want us to go somewhere new. Sometimes he wants us to go back to an old place with a new heart. Sometimes our testimony of how God has worked in our life, how God has changed us, can be most effective right where we are with our family, with our neighbors, with the friends that we already know. Uh, Next topic, when God calls without warning, and this is Abigail's story. Abigail is one of the strong, feisty women of the Bible, and you just have to love her because she has been in a very difficult marriage to a man, a man named Nabal, who his name means fool, and folly goes with him. <laughs> and Nabal basically kicks the anthill and uh, provokes David, and um, David and his men have been hiding out, and they come... Um, they've been insulted by Nabal, and they come, swords drawn, uh, ready to attack Nabal and his whole household and leave no one alive. And Abigail steps up and says, I've got to save the day. I have got to intervene here. I've got to make peace between these two men. 
And this speech that she gives to David is masterful. And you see so much the evidence of a woman who has been in a difficult situation for who knows how many years, learning to navigate a difficult marriage that, you know, given the cultural customs of the day, she wouldn't have had any recourse to get out of or to um, find help in. But she's learned and she's grown and she is strong and feisty and wise. And she uses all those skills at this moment that no one was expecting, and she's ready for it. And, and sometimes God calls us unexpectedly, and we sort of have to view whatever hardship we're in right now, whatever we're suffering right now, as a way of preparing us for whatever God may have in store in the future. And then, when your time has come, uh, this is Peter's story, part two. Uh, what do we learn here, Elizabeth? So in this second anecdote from Peter's life, we explore the moment when, uh, when Peter, he, he, he fails. You know, the night before, the night of Jesus' arrest, um, as prophesied, Peter denies Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And, and sort of his moment where he's needing to be brave has come, and, and he crumbles in the face of, of, of the pressure and of fear. And he wasn't expecting it to go like this. And, and yet, and yet, Jesus restores him. Jesus offers him grace. Jesus offers him not just forgiveness, but the chance to still lead. You know, Jesus didn't discount Peter from leadership and from usefulness in his kingdom because of this failure. Um, he said, hey, I still need you to deliver the, the, the sermon on the day of Pentecost. I still need you to hold the keys of the kingdom and tell people how to come into my kingdom. It's such a powerful lesson on how, you know, sometimes we can blow it hugely. We can fall flat on our face and think there's no coming back from this. But with Jesus, there is always a way back. And not just a way back, you know, hiding in the shadows on the back row of church, but there's a way back where you're totally useful and fully fulfilled in serving God. Elizabeth, who was on your checklist of potential chapters who, who didn't make the cut? A- anybody of interest? You know, somebody said recently, they said, why isn't Abraham on this? Because if any, anybody uh, encompasses, you know, God calling you to go, it's Abraham. And I said, you know, amen, you are so right. I, in my previous book, When God Says Wait, I spent a lot of time in Abraham and Sarah's story. Um, they're called Abraham 75. He's called to leave Haran and move to a new place. He doesn't know where he's going. Such faith. So, so I was a little sad that I didn't explore Abraham in this book, but I kind of wanted to give some new characters a chance. <laughs> Elizabeth, when did you become uh, so conversant in the Bible? What happened? What was the turning point? Ooh, you know, I had the great privilege of growing up um, the, a preacher's daughter and just sort of immersed in Scripture from a very young age. Um, my, my dad has this deep, deep love for the Word of God, and my mom was always sharing, oh, I'm reading this, and it's so inspiring. And I confess, as a little kid, I thought, I wonder if I'll ever know how to read my Bible like that. It seemed intimidating to me. I wanted to know how. But I think over the years of sort of being constantly exposed and constantly reading and learning and sitting in classes, you know, you learn and you grow over time. And I, 
it's funny because I, I know so many of the stories, but I still feel like, oh, there's so much more to learn. There's so many more layers in here, and I, I look forward to continuing to learn. How are you passing this heritage along to your four children? Oh, I was praying about that this morning. I was saying, God, please just help me teach them to love you. Help me teach them to love your word. We try very much to make God just a comfortable part of our daily life. Um, we we don't want it to be that we laugh and we we have fun and then we do church and then we do God and we get serious and it's different and we use our holy voice. You know, we want God to be a part of their school days. And so we we pray often, anytime we go anywhere, before we get out of the car, we say, Lord, be with us. Guide us. Help us to be selfless. Help us to be safe. Help us to love. Things like that that are very simple, but that I hope will teach my children that God is real and is ever-present in their daily life. Elizabeth, how would you summarize uh, these 12 chapters in a way uh, that our listeners here can really put flesh to it, shoe leather to it? What, what, what do you tell us? You know, I, I, I hope that when people look at all these stories uh, of these different people in Scripture, they will realize that um, God has been calling his people ever since he had people, you know, and that they're just like us. They respond with the similar fears and insecurities. But I hope people will come away from this book knowing when God calls us, it's not about us, it's about him. And that means what we lack, he will loan. What we need, he will provide. And and I think that takes so much of the focus and pressure off of us and our sins, our weakness, our past, our, our you know, our burdens. And it puts it all where it belongs on God, that God's call is about him. And you know what? He is always qualified, and he will help us to answer whatever his call is for our lives. Elizabeth, in your book, you write that one of your favorite things about being a Christian is that we get to change. Uh, What do you mean by that? You know, have you ever felt like you're just kind of stuck in the way you've been for a long time? I I mean, I feel like I've had times in my life where I've, I've just sort of had a besetting sin. I'm, I'm scared all the time. I'm, I'm sort of struggling with selfishness more than I usually would. And, and I feel stuck, but thanks to the grace of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to change. And I feel like that's such a privilege because not everybody has the Holy Spirit working to help them change. And and they do, they just feel stuck forever, but we get to grow. You know, who I am today is not the same person I was five years ago or 10 years ago. And that's no credit to me. That's all God and his Holy Spirit doing their thing, working on my heart. And it's such a privilege and joy to feel like you're growing. Well, Elizabeth, it's wonderful to chat with you. Thanks for uh, a good visit and congratulations on your book. And, uh, oh, by the way, how do people reach you? Do you like to hear from your readers? I love, love, love to hear from readers. And I make it um, my goal to respond to everyone who ever reaches out. Um, they can find me on my website, lizzylife.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Elizabeth Lang Thompson, writer at Lizzie Life, um, Twitter, all the usual su- suspects. I'm pretty easy to find, and, and if you reach out, I'm happy to correspond. 
We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Once again, here's Pat. Elizabeth Lang Thompson, our guest in that first segment, talking about her book, When God Says Go. Dr. Timothy Jennings is with us. Uh, He's in Chattanooga and uh, has written a very important book, a fascinating book with Baker Books, The Aging Brain. Wow. I guess that's true for all of us, isn't it, Tim? Our brains are getting older, aren't they? Yes, and, and, the, and the important part is the proven steps to prevent dementia and sharpen your mind. The, that, that's what we really want to do, not just to age, but to let's, let's, let's keep our, our faculties and not let them decay as we age. Well, y- your book breaks down into four parts. Uh, part one, history and aging, the problem of aging. We all do it. Uh, our genes and aging. Can you give me an overview on what you're saying there in that first segment? Yeah, so what I'm saying in the first segment is that while we all pass through time at the same rate, it means there's 24 hours in a day for each of us, that we all don't age at the same rate. And we speak of aging, we're not speaking of just chronologically getting older. We actually mean the, the slow loss of functional ability, the decay in our faculty strength and capacities. And so um, what, uh, what we can do and the lifestyle choices we make through, um, through our life will either accelerate our aging or delay or slow our aging. And maybe you've gone to a class reunion from high school, and you've noticed there are some people that look significantly older than other people in the group, mm. some people who've lived that hard life, maybe, and, we, and things that we mostly in community can recognize are a couple pack a day smoker, heavy alcohol drinker, and we notice that over the years they age faster than everybody else, and that's true, They're, because those, those two things significantly accelerate the decline of our abilities and faculties and age our body, but as we describe in the book, there's many other lifestyle choices, and so we can make decisions through time that can um, uh, affect us. Now, one of the other things in the history portion was that, that Alzheimer's disease and what people are dealing with today is new to the human history, that prior to the last hundred years, the majority of people didn't live long enough mm. to actually experience late-onset dementia. Many people, most people died from infections and died before they were 50 years of age. And because of our improved health care, water treatment, food inspection, and things like that, people are now living uh, much longer. And so we have these late-life diseases like dementia that we have to address. I never had thought about that. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, and, you, and in that area, you also say... Uh, that a healthy brain needs a healthy body. Pretty profound, huh? Well, that's, that's true. Every organ system of our body has its primary purpose to serve the brain. The heart beats and the lungs breathe to give oxygen and nutrient to the brain. If there's no brain, then they do so without purpose. And so uh, the arms and legs are there to take your brain places, interact with the world and all your sensory organs to give data to your brain. And so really the brain is the most important part of your entire being and all the other organs serve it. And so if we have diseases of the body, they undermine the efficiency of our brain and will accelerate decline and increase risk of dementia. Tim, I want to get to the second part Uh, You call it oxidative stress and aging. Um, And in this section, uh, obesity and aging, sugar and aging, tobacco, alcohol and aging. Boy, there's some good stuff here. Can you uh, dive into that one for us? 
Yes, so oxidative stress is the increase in our body of molecules that contain reactive oxygen. So to get a sense of what that means, if you cut an apple and you leave the apple open on your counter and come back in an hour, what's happened to it? It's browned. Mm. Well, that browning is the oxygen oxidizing or interacting with the molecules of the uh, apple, uh, damaging them. Inside our body, we can have oxygen molecules with oxygen that can interact or oxidize our um, various tissues of our body, and that's why we hear a lot about antioxidants. Well, things that increase oxidation will accelerate aging and physical health problems, including the risk of dementia. And one of those factors, obesity. When somebody is obese, there's a whole host of factors that accelerate aging, one being the fat tissue itself produces molecules that are oxidizing to the body and interferes with the body's antioxidant enzymes, so our oxidative stress in our brain increases. Additionally, circulation problems increase when we're obese. People tend to exercise less when they're obese. They tend to have less healthy diets when they're obese. And all those factors together significantly accelerate aging, such that um, people at age 70 who are obese have less brain mass, brain volume, and are cognitively not as sharp as people with normal weight uh, at age 70. And then, and then you, uh, you need to get into this whole issue of sugar and aging. Are we to have, uh, avoid sugar completely? So the American diet is a high-sugar diet, and so we get sugar in a lot of places we don't even know we're getting sugar. If you actually start looking at labels on many of the foods that we eat, sugar is added in so many different things. And so um, the high-sugar diet increases the production in our body of molecules where sugar, glucose, is bound to molecules they shouldn't bind to. When those are called advanced glycation end products. One of those people may know about is called hemoglobin A1C. And hemoglobin A1C is what they measure to track uh, diabetics' blood control and glucose control. And hemoglobin normally carries oxygen in our blood, and uh, glucose is normally used for energy. But when they bind together, they can't do their job, and they become a damaging, oxidizing molecule that injures um, cells in our body. This is why diabetics who have higher glucose, therefore they have higher hemoglobin A1C, will have more end organ damage like neuropathies and retinopathies and, and damage to their kidneys. And if you have type 2 on, uh, adult onset diabetes, it increases your risk of Alzheimer's dementia 60% because of this increased oxidation that's going on. I want you to talk in this area about... Oh, oh, wait, wait, let me interrupt you real quick. And sure. say, I do want to say, however, though, artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. Artificial sweeteners increase your risk of dementia. Really? So substituting artificial sweeteners is not a good choice. You need to move towards healthy foods and, and foods that are whole foods like eating an apple, eating a peach that has natural sugars just from the uh, food source itself. There's no, there's no deficit to that. In fact, moving towards the whole foods like that has, is antioxidant and provides nutrients that keeps your brain healthy and reduces your risk. So, um, Doc, what should I put in my uh, unsweetened iced tea then? So unsweetened iced tea, uh, if you have a generally, so let's, let's take a couple scenarios. You have a generally low sugar diet. But you have an iced tea a day, and in that iced tea, you put two teaspoons of sugar, and that's really about the, the most of the sugar you're getting. That has no negative long-term consequence. Two teaspoons of sugar a day is not going to be negative. However, if you have a low-sugar diet, and you have that tea with an artificial sweetener, like saccharin or a, a Splenda, that actually increases your risk of dementia. So it would be better to use a little bit of sugar than to use an artificial sweetener. But to have a high-sugar diet is not health- healthy, so I hope I put that in balance. Um, with uh, tea, I'm not really sure what to recommend. Honey, perhaps. Honey has no negative uh, consequence. In my uh, coffee, I end up using maple syrup. Mm. Maple syrup uh, has a nice flavor to your coffee, and uh, there's some data that shows it has some antioxidant um, 
uh, properties associated with it. What about those little packages called Stevia? What do you think of that? I think the data is not uh, not well enough developed to have the confidence. I think uh, when you look at packets of stevia, that many of those packets are highly processed, and they can bring other processing chemicals in that could be harmful. If you're getting 100% pure stevia directly from the plant, there's emerging evidence, early evidence that suggests that might have some antioxidant benefit. I don't think it's been around long enough to have long-term data to know. Uh, talk to us about tobacco and alcohol and where that fits this fits in this discussion tim so so tobacco is harmful across the board i think everybody knows that there's no amount of tobacco that's healthy tobacco causes all kinds of cancer risk and health risk and cardiovascular risk it also turns on uh, uh, turns off the antioxidant enzymes increases oxidative stress increases your risk of dementia alcohol people get confused cuz they can hear things about well you know a glass of wine or two can uh, maybe reduce my cardiovascular risk maybe it's healthy for me so let me uh, what i do in the book is i show the science and i break it down into black and white where we can not be confused. Uh, any alcohol in any amount is harmful to a developing fetus. So a pregnant woman drinking alcohol as well as one glass of wine a week will alter developing fetal brain and result in those children later in life having increased mental health and emotion problems. So mm. I think everybody, everybody agrees no alcohol during pregnancy is, is acceptable. Children, developing brains, any alcohol for children alters developing brains and is harmful to children. So everybody agrees that kids and people with brain development issues uh, should not. Somebody who already has dementia, so their, their brain is compromised, it's injured, it's damaged, any amount of alcohol compromises function and makes it worse. So those three scenarios you can say right away, it doesn't matter, alcohol is harmful. Now, um, there's no data that shows any type of distilled spirits have any benefits. So the distilled liquors are not helpful. They actually cause harm. Where, where the data gets confusing is when people drink wine, and there's data that shows that wine can have multiple benefits. And then they break that down, they look at that, and that is because the wine has a lot of polyphenols and antioxidants, which give the wine the color, and that's coming from the grapes. And so what the data shows is if you drink no more than two glasses of wine a day, then the benefits from the polyphenols uh, outweigh the potential harm from the ethanol. But once you go over two glasses of wine a day, then the uh, amount of ethanol becomes more harmful than the benefits from the polyphenols. And so if you want the benefit, don't drink more than two glasses of wine a day. But if you don't want any alcohol, you can get the same benefits from drinking grape juice. Very interesting. Now, uh, Dr. Timothy Jennings is our guest. Uh, His book is called The Aging Brain. Uh, Part three of your book is called Lifestyle and Aging, and here you get into exercise in your brain and sleep in your brain and vacation and our beliefs in aging and mental stress and, oh boy, lots of material here, Tim. Uh, uh, Start teaching us, please. So um, one of the things I teach in the book is this idea uh, called design law. Design law means the laws upon which reality function. You can think of them as the laws of physics, the law of gravity, the laws of health, uh, as you understand design law and move in harmony with them, you, you cannot avoid getting healthier. As you break those types of laws, you can't avoid uh, having problems. One of those, exercise, or the law of exertion, if you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. Everybody knows that's a design law. You mm-hmm. can't avoid it. So that's not just for, fit, for your muscles. That's also for your brain circuits. Uh, if you want to have stronger math ability, you've got to work problems. You want stronger music skills, you've got to practice your instrument. You want stronger cognitive thinking abilities, you've got to actually think, solve problems, do new learning. And when you do, your brain circuits, your brain cells expand, make new connections uh, as you exercise your brain. So you want to exercise your brain in healthy ways, and you keep your brain healthy in doing so. Physical exercise, when you do regular physical exercise, not only do you get physical health benefits, but your muscles produce anti-inflammatory factors, which reduce the uh, inflammation in 
your body, oxidative stress. You um, turn on neurotrophins, which are proteins in your brain that cause your brain to make new neurons and sprout new connections. And you uh, improve insulin sensitivity. And one of the things that drives the whole cascade of events that causes Alzheimer's disease in the brain is in the brain people lose insulin sensitivity or they develop insulin resistance in the brain. And when that happens, a cascade of events cause the proteins, uh, toxic proteins to build up in the brain that damage neurons. So restoring insulin sensitivity in the brain is one way to keep your brain healthy, keep cognition and memory learning, and help toxins be removed from your brain. So physical exercise, mental exercise, very beneficial for the brain. How about sleep? Talk about sleep. So your brain is 2 to 3% of your body weight, but it uses 20% of your body's energy, meaning it's burning lots of uh, resources, having lots of byproducts of metabolism. Those byproducts of metabolism will be toxic unless we remove them. During sleep, your brain cells will actually contract, will expel out of the inside of the brain cell into the cerebral spinal fluid, the byproducts of metabolism, thereby, um, thereby increasing uh, thereby allowing us to eliminate those byproducts of metabolism. And, uh, and if we don't get normal amounts of sleep over years, then the, uh, then the toxins build up and uh, increase oxidative stress in our brain. Additionally, memories consolidate in our sleep. And if we don't get normal sleep, we have memory and cognitive impairments. Many people will try to take um, medicines for sleep, and the vast majority of medicines prescribed for sleep actually cause memory problems, interfere with normal sleep architecture, and can increase your risk of dementia. Tim, what is the difference between Alzheimer's dementia and Alzheimer's dementia? What's the difference? Okay, so the, ter- the word dementia refers to a syndrome of functional impairment or functional loss. And, and that functional loss would be loss of memory plus the loss of one of four domains. And those domains are um, the ability to problem-solve or reason or, or rationalize uh, or the ability to do simple motor tasks like button your shirt or tie your shoe or normal language ability or um, the ability to recognize objects and name what objects are. If you have one of those losses plus a memory loss, that is the syndrome known as dementia. It's functional. Anything that damages your brain to the point you have those functional impairments uh, is, is, can cause dementia. So if you have a disease called Alzheimer's disease, then you will develop Alzheimer's dementia. If you have Parkinson's disease, you can develop Parkinson's dementia. If you have vascular disease, then you can develop vascular dementia. And there are other diseases that damage the brain um, that can cause uh, dementia from those diseases. My guest, and boy is he fascinating, folks. Stay with us. Uh, we got another segment with Dr. Timothy Jennings. Uh, He's in Chattanooga, and uh, we're talking about his book, uh, The Aging Brain. Uh, I'm Pat Williams, and we gather like this every weekend uh, for what we call the Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Just a reminder, you're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, booming across the I-4 corridor. And uh, we're so glad that you've joined us. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin Pacorny. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. 
That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Medicare rules are confusing. They should be. There are over 130,000 pages of regulations. There's Part A through D, Medicare Advantage, and Medigap. According to the CMS, there are government programs available that can help you pay for your medical expenses. Choosing the right Medicare plan is a really big deal. The wrong choice can cost you a lot of money, and the right choice can put more money in your pocket. Call one of our licensed representatives today. At 65 Plus Medicare, our free service can show you a plan that will maximize your Medicare benefits, ensure you are taking advantage of all available government assistance programs, and save you money. Plus, call right now and get a free report on how to avoid costly Medicare mistakes. Call now. 800-884-9325. 800-884-9325. That's 800-884-9325. A new trend is in the air. Affordable private air travel to the most popular Florida destinations. Trend Airways is here, where one low monthly membership fee gets you where you want to go fast. Trend Airways offers an unlimited membership that empowers your travel simply, elegantly to Florida's most popular destinations. Just pay one monthly fee, then fly as many times as you like in their network. Go online to iFlyTrend.com or call 407-374-FLY1. That's 407-374, the word fly, the number one. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Dr. Timothy Jennings is with us from Chattanooga. Uh, We're talking about his book, The Aging Brain. Uh, Tell me about exercising your brain, Timothy. Reading, for example. Uh, Does that uh, hold off the ravages of dementia? So what seems to be the best is something that is new learning. So if you're reading something that is requiring you to contemplate new ideas, learn new material, put new uh, constructs together, then yes. If you're just reading for entertainment reading, then no. So it's really about learning new things. And, uh, and some of the things where you can combine new learning with physical activity are shown to be even more robust, like, say, taking ballroom dancing. And you're not only physically moving, but you're having to learn the steps. And you're, so you're learning in your mind and thinking with your brain at the same time uh, or learning to play ping pong or, or something like this where you're having to focus your mind and work your body at the same time. These things can be very helpful. Uh, under this area of... Um... Uh, Lifestyle and Aging, Part 3, you do a chapter uh, on our beliefs in aging, and then you do another chapter on love and death. Uh, I need you to cover them, please. Okay. So the the big idea under the beliefs in aging is that what we believe has significant power to activate various brain circuits. If we believe things that cause us to live in fear, that activates uh, anxiety circuits that kick up immune system, that kicks up inflammation, and over the course of years, that accelerates um, health problems and increase our risk of dementia. Um, if we believe things that uh, help us live in a sense of peace, uh, uh, altruistic regard for others, we, we have a forgiving attitude, we're not a grudge holder, uh, and then we uh, calm our brain's fear circuits, and we have less inflammatory cascades, and we live longer and have less health problems and less dementia. So the healthiest worldview is typically a belief in a uh, higher power that is benevolent and compassionate uh, and uh, leads us to be reasoning people who treat others with respect. 
the next healthy worldview would be a uh, humanistic worldview that is benevolent, compassionate, and treats other people with respect. The worst worldview is to believe in a higher power that is an authoritarian, dictator, punishing God that we must live in fear of. That's actually harmful. And then the love and death chapter is really about how do we deal with our fear of death. And pretty much everyone has a fear of death. And this is how do we come to terms with our own mortality and not live in fear and anxiety of death. And I look at uh, that front and look at a little history of various world religions and the different things taught and then try to compare that with some modern science and see if there's any worldview that actually is most reasonable based on our current understanding of uh, information science and modern science. Tim, I want to move to the fourth part of your book, Pathological Aging, uh, Vitamins and Supplements that Prevent Dementia, Risk Factors for Dementia, How to Reduce the Risk, Caring for a Loved One with Dementia. Lots of interesting material there. Uh, uh, dive in for us, please. So on the pathological aging chapter, that really walks people through what's happening on a cellular basis in the body and in the brain that causes late-onset Alzheimer's dementia. And... I want people to understand that dementia is not normal aging. Normal aging, we may get weaker, we may lose some abilities, but people can maintain their mental faculties and their mental acuity with normal aging even as their body gets weaker with time. And that weakness can be slowed down if we stay active and, and, and live a healthy lifestyle. But if you get dementia, dementia is not normal aging, it's abnormal aging. Something has gone wrong. And this particular chapter uh, examines what goes wrong with Alzheimer's disease and how Alzheimer's disease causes a cascade of events damaging the brain. The, uh, the chapter on the vitamins and supplements, um, I explore uh, uh, quite a few of those that have good science behind them and examine why and what you can do to reduce your risk. Some of the things, and I'll just tell uh, the listening audience, some simple things you can do that actually have been shown to improve brain volume and reduce your risk of uh, dementia as you age would eat a handful of walnuts regularly. Uh, walnuts are um, antioxidant. Uh, they uh, have been shown in the various studies to remove uh, toxic protein amyloid out of the brain. Uh, and uh, people who have a history of uh, regular almond, uh, excuse me, um, walnut uh, ingestion uh, have lower risk of dementia as they age, they stay, and they stay sharper. A glass of pomegranate juice, 100% pomegranate juice, has been shown in various studies to re- remove amyloid protein out of the brain, and um, they're high in polyphenols and reduce inflammatory stress on the brain. Omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil. This is a long-chain omega-3 fatty acids. You can get it in salmon or mackerel or sardines, the oily fish. And uh, 70% of the fat in our brain is from these types of um, omega-3 fats. And our body really can't make these, and so we have to get them in food sources. If we don't, then our body will use omega-6s, which uh, we get out of corn and wheat and stuff like that. And uh, But that alters neural membrane elasticity, uh, affects neural signaling, it, uh, and it reduces our antioxidant. Uh, protection and the omega 3s have antioxidant protection. And studies show that p- the people higher in the omega 3s have lower risk of dementia and have better brain volume, better cognition as they age. Uh, and uh, so some people might want to use the um, plant source flaxseed, but flaxseed is uh, the short chain ALA, and your body only converts about 1 to 3% of that into the form the brain needs. And so um, getting it from a, mar- a marine source would be better, getting the actual DHA EPA long chain form would be better. Well, I made a little note here, Tim. Walnuts, pomegranate juice, and salmon. Yeah, yes, exactly. The data shows you have one to two pieces of salmon from a wild source, not a farm-raised source. Most of the farm-raised sources are feeding them corn or things like that, and thus they don't have omega-3s. So from a wild source, uh, it's actually probably better than taking an omega-3 supplement. 
Well, I'll have to tell my wife about those three when she goes to the uh, grocery store. And there's more in the, and there's more in the book as well. Um, there's more. Um, uh, maybe we should mention this one: green tea. Uh, green tea has been shown to help all populations: those without dementia, those with early cognitive changes, and those with dementia. All have improved cognition and uh, and and mental functioning. Additionally, green tea has antioxidant enzymes that reduce risk, and so those who drink green tea throughout life will have a lower risk of getting dementia later in life. A lot of positive things about green tea. Caring for a loved one with dementia. What do you teach us, Tim? Well, uh, this is uh, this is really helping people process through a lot of the emotional and internal conflicts that they often face when we have a loved one with dementia. It leads to healthy. Uh, boundaries and, and, and principles for healthy decision-making. It doesn't necessarily tell people do this or do that, but helps set up a, a um, structure on how to make decisions. And, uh, you know, what, what is it that drives the train and how not to feel guilty when you have to set boundaries with a loved one. And one of the principles I teach in this chapter is that uh, the first rule of a psychiatric ward is staff safety, not patient safety, because if the staff are not safe, then no patients are safe and no care gets given. And that principle applies that the first rule of any caregiver is to maintain the caregiver's health and wellness, because if the caregiver becomes disabled and cannot function, then no care is given to anyone else. And so it's really important that people who are caring for loved ones uh, of, uh, with disabilities establish what are the requirements for the caregiver to maintain their wellness and health. How many hours of sleep must I have a night? How much food? How much exercise? How much downtime? How much mental relaxation? How much time away from the caregiving role is a necessity before I burn out and exhaust and therefore can't care anymore. And if the situation is resulting in you having to do more than is really uh, physiologically capable for you to maintain your health, then that by definition means that additional resources must be brought to bear, whether it's bringing in uh, home health care services or getting them into a, a third-party facility of some kind. How does one know themselves uh, about the onset of dementia, what what uh, what does one begin to feel? Many it depends on the type of dementia. Uh, people have vascular dementia. That's where you have little, little tiny strokes. They may be aware they've lost some ability. I'm not remembering like I used to. I don't have the sharpness I used to uh, because it's a sudden loss because of a little tiny stroke. We're not talking the major strokes where you get paralysis and can't speak. We're talking the little microscopic ones. But there can be noticeable uh, changes that way. With the Alzheimer's type dementia, though, uh, when people are demented with Alzheimer's type, one of the things that they lose is self-awareness. So typically, people with Alzheimer's type have very little awareness at all, and awareness isn't something that can typically be given to them. They often think something is fine, and, it's, and family members in the beginning may not notice because typically people with Alzheimer's dementia learn to give answers that sound like they're reasonable answers, but they're actually lacking substance. So if you're not living with them day in, day out, you may not notice. You call mom who lives across the country, and you say, hey, mom, what's been going on? Oh, you know, just the usual. Well, how things been? Uh, about, about normal, like always. And those answers sound pretty okay, except you'll find if you actually press for substance, they can provide very little substance. What did you actually have for breakfast this morning? Oh, I just the typical things I eat. You see, and they'll give those types of answers, but they will lack the actual detailed substance that a person who has uh, recall will be able to give. My guest has been Timothy Jennings. We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. 
with more of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Message and data rates may apply. Texting and rolls for recurring text messages. Nice game. Man, you're really playing hard today. Yeah, shows what a great night's sleep will do. You know, since I started using Z-Quiet for my snoring, there's no more waking up getting elbowed and no more moving to the couch in the middle of the night. You know, for the first time in years, the snoring's gone, and my wife and I both wake up feeling great. It's amazing, so easy to use, and it worked the very first night. I'm Dan Webster, co-founder of Z-Quiet. For years, I was off my game due to snoring. My wife Trina and I were desperate for a solution, and we found it with Z-Quiet. There's nothing better than waking up feeling rested, happy, and best of all, in the same bed. So if you're ready to score extra points in the bedroom, get Z-Quiet. Z-Quiet fits both men and women, and right now you can try it risk-free for a full 30 days for just $9.95. Just text SLEEP to 246810 or go to com. Text SLEEP to 246810 or go to com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Well, thanks for joining us, folks, for the... Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Elizabeth Lang Thompson was our guest in the first half hour, talking about her book, When God Says Go. And then Dr. Timothy Jennings joined us from Chattanooga. Fascinating visit with him, talking about his book, The Aging Brain. Uh, Make sure you pick up a copy of that book. Baker Books put it out, and you'll find some really valuable help there. Uh, Please check my website. It's patwilliams.com. Uh, The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It's called uh, Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. It's about Coach Wooden and his summer camps that he ran for many years and gives us a really different look at the great basketball coach, John Wooden. Uh, Go to Amazon. A good way to order books. Uh, We'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.